What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for for History. History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. On today's episode of Hungry for History, we are celebrating two local Afro-Mexican establishments. One is a food truck in the city of Watts, and the other is a bakery in Compton. We are so excited to share those with you. But before we do that, we've got a very special guest that is joining us. That's right. I have followed Ebony Bailey's work for a while. She's a filmmaker, a producer, and a documentarian. As a self-described Blacksican, Ebony tells stories with the intention of representing her communities and building spaces of empowerment between diverse populations. Ebony, welcome to the show! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I love Blacksican. You know, my, I don't know, Maite, if you call yourself, I call myself a Texican. I love you. Yeah, me too. I started calling myself a Texican when I heard you. I was... Just call yourself. I was like, wait a minute. I am too. I love that. Ebony, what, what is a Blacksican? To explain it to me. Um, a Blacksican, I mean, there are many different ways that people describe themselves as Blacksican. But the way that I describe myself as a Blacksican is that my mom is Mexican-American and my dad is African-American. And growing up, I didn't really know what to like call myself, if that makes sense, until mm-hmm. I was probably... 12, 13, like around the age of starting like browse on the internet and stuff. And I found this food truck in Atlanta that was called the Blacksican food truck, something like that. And I was like, (laughs) ah, that's me. (laughs) Um, So it kind of just stuck. And I think it's like a good, at least for me, and a good identifier of showing like this cross between Blackness, Black American, and Mexicanidad. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why I stick to that identifier. I love it. Me too. Me too. So Ebony, tell us about your journey and how you began your work as a filmmaker exploring these cultural intersections and diaspora and social movements. So I started off more in journalism, print journalism, and then digital journalism. And I kind of fell into photography and videography because I liked the mix between the techie side of playing with colors and playing with composition, but also getting out and going and meeting people and connecting with people and sharing people's stories. And my first kind of intro to the cultural intersection work that I focus heavily on now 
was doing my first documentary that I did several years ago about Haitian migrants in Tijuana and their experiences at what it's like to be a Black migrant in Tijuana. And I did that because I was reading the newspaper in Mexico. I was living in Ciudad de Mexico at the time. And I just saw a photo on the newspaper of migrants at the border. And I noticed they were all Black. And at the time, I didn't know that many other Black people who were living in Mexico. So I kind of just wanted to go deeper into that. And I did a short documentary about that issue. And from there, I really started connecting with a lot of like the migrant, Afro-diaspora, and also kind of food community in Mexico. It all just kind of blended. So it was really that documentary that helped me like get a lot of these other connections and meet other people and tell other stories. It was like yeah. a good launching point for me. You know, you've discussed before that like being in LA, being Black or Mexican or being Blackskin, you know, you represent two of the most aggrieved groups in Los Angeles. Um, talk to me about that and, and the relevance of it today, because there's just this complex history that Black and Latino communities have with Los Angeles. You talk a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a, that's a big topic because there's yeah. so much history with both Black communities and Latinx communities in, in Los Angeles. And it actually even goes way back to the founding of Los Angeles. Like a lot of people don't know, and I think it's on Alvera Street somewhere, that uh, most of the people that founded um, Los Angeles were Afro-Mestizo people. Mm-hmm. Afro Mestizo Poblanos. And mm-hmm. so kind of this like intersection of blackness and Mexicanidad and Los Angeles goes way back to then. And just seeing how intertwined the communities have been, like we've always lived in the same neighborhoods, always gone to the same schools, yet there's also been a lot of conflict. There can be anti-blackness in the Latino side, there can be xenophobia on the black American side. So a lot of that conflict, I feel like sometimes overshadows that the two groups have really similar, like you said, grievances and really similar histories, especially in the Los Angeles context with police brutality. Like this mission to reform police brutality has been going on for decades. Even though there has been a lot of progress since Rodney King and all of that, there still is like a lot more to be done and there's still a lot more healing. There's a lot more cross-dialogue. And I'm glad that we are having these conversations and we're talking about how in our cultures, how in our foods, there are these intersections and there's always been these intersections. One of the many things that's so wonderful about food, that it's such a great way in to have these conversations, right? It's an accessible way into these conversations. I could talk to you. To Ebony forever, because this is so fascinating to me, this intersectionality of cultures and race. But how did that translate into food? What were your memories of as a child cooking with your family? It's funny because I actually didn't realize how much Afro influence there is in Mexican food until I got older. Um, until I started researching for my other documentary, Jamaica Tamarindo. And I always grew up drinking agua de Jamaica and eating like the tamarindo candies. And I had no idea that La Flor de Jamaica and the tamarind, the food, are originally from the continent of Africa. And tamarind also has a lot of influence in, in South Asia too. But mm-hmm. But I didn't know that when I was growing up. And I think now it almost feels like it was like my ancestors talking to me whenever I would drink agua de jamaica and eat the little tamarindos, <laughs> kind of showing them subtly that that this was also my food and my two sides blending together. 
And there is like a connection between like, I want a Jamaica and red juice in African-American communities. Um, they're both from like the hibiscus flower. So I think like growing up and learning that has been like something that's really special for me. And it brings me back to my childhood. Um, oh, and I totally <laughs> forgot about this, <laughs> but I love eating menudo growing up. I'm vegetarian oh. now. <laughs> That's your yes. favorite. That's your favorite. That's my favorite. I grew up eating menudo every Sunday. It was like a family thing. I go to my grandma's house and eat menudo. It's like one of my favorite things. I still really love the texture of tripe. And I try to find that with like mushrooms and things like that that are plant-based. But I also learned as I was researching for this documentary and for other things that menudo also has African influence and it's like no. a descendant. Really? Yes. It's what? a descendant of Mondongo that is originally from Veracruz. And in Veracruz, they actually still call it Mondongo. Oh, wow. um, and you can find it in other, yeah. There are you other have variations blown of my food. mind. You have blown <laughs> my mind right fascinating. now. Fascinating. I had no idea. What differentiates the Mondongo from the menudo? Is it the chile? I think the chile, the thing that, that keeps them similar is that they're both made from like the stomach insides. But I think that yeah. the way that they make the chile, like in, in Jalisco and in Northern Mexico, like the, the spices and the ingredients. Of all the stories you've covered as a filmmaker, is there one that has left a mark or hit a chord with you? I think I would say my film, Jamaica y Tamarindo, it's also a short film and it was my thesis film for my master's program at UNAM in Mexico City. And that one really struck a chord with me because it kind of brought together all of my loves of food and culture and meeting people and history. And it was a way for me to learn about as I had mentioned before, the Afro-influence in certain ingredients. But it was also a way for me to connect with Afro-Mexican people that live in Mexico. And even though we have, like, different experiences of growing up on different sides of the border, and they're Afro-Mexican in the sense that their ancestors were enslaved in Mexico, whereas my ancestors were enslaved in the U.S., and my mom is the one who is, is a mestiza Mexican. So in that sense, we, we have different backgrounds, but I felt like through doing this documentary and hearing their stories, especially about growing up and about their relationship with food, I just felt this, like, really strong kinship with them and, yeah. like, sharing this, like, this connection of like common ancestors that I'll always like take with me after I, I did I did that documentary. It's beautiful. I've seen it. It's a beautiful documentary. Your work is so important. It is so important, like I said, especially right now with the relevance of this topic and the anti-Black sentiment in some Latinx cultures. I think it's an important conversation to have and you're broadening the the mindset of a lot of people. So thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, you, Ebony. Thank you all for having me. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, Hungry for History visits the first Afro-Mexican food establishment in Los Angeles. It's been around for almost 30 years and you don't want to miss it. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, 
State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tuda Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tuda shows wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Welcome back. I visited the city of Watts, California to try some amazing banana leaf tamales, which I have to say were some of the best I've ever had. I interviewed one of the women who helps run Tamales Elena y Antojitos that was originally started by Elena Lorenzo, an Afro-Latina who immigrated to the U.S. from La Costa Chica Guerrero in Mexico. Her daughter, Maria, sat down to chat with us. Take a listen. Here with Maria outside of the truck of Tamales Elena. Yes. So tell us a little bit about Tamales Elena y Antojitos. Well, originally it's Tamales Elena. That's how we started off, maybe like around 29 years ago. My mom uh, migrated to the United States from Acapulco, Guerrero, and the first day that she got here, there was no like greet men or anything like you would imagine her family would greet her. My mom took, I guess, lessons of how to make tamales from my grandma. My dad got here a little bit after her and he started selling out of his chunk of his car and they just became a power duo, you know? Like he used to be the one that used to go grocery shopping and do all the hard labor and my mom used to be the one that put the sazon on everything. Mm because we all knew that she had she had it in her. It's like, you were born with it or you're not. <laughs> That's so and, true. Uh, so she went ahead and um, did the prepping, and my dad doing the tamales with her. It was just them two. And then we came along, we came to age. They never did ask us to help them. We used to see them work very hard, and we used to get back from school, and we are like, can we help? And that's when we started working. We all started working like at the average of like 12 years old. Everybody started learning how to do tamales. Now we can do them with our eyes closed. That's the story of the, the, the ultimate immigrant yes. story. That's amazing. So do you and your sisters have the sazon? Some of us do. I cannot say for <laughs> all of them. <laughs> to be able to to do this, to, to, to carry the torch um, that your parents built. You know what? I've never been ashamed of it. I've always been proud of what my parents did. I've always been conscious of the fact that we are doing something special. 
that uh, unfortunately here in Watts, there's not a lot of food vendors. We've been here, this spot, this block for the past 29 years. People have tried and come and put, we're always welcoming other vendors. We want other company here with us, but unfortunately people don't make it. And for me to be able to say that we have been, you know, alive for that long, it's, it's, it's you know, it's un orgullo. I talked to my husband about it and he's like, I can see it every time you talk to me about it. It's like your eyes light up, like, you know, because you, you guys are able to carry what your parents, your parents dream. And somehow it became ours, not forcibly, it, it grew in us. And we know that food is, whatever there is, pandemic, recession, anything, people want to eat. And what a better way to to just carry this on, yeah. carry on their story, their legacy yeah. through through food. Through food. It's the way to people's hearts, right? Yeah. It's the way to into yeah. other people other cultures. Um, Talk about your mom's recipes. <laughs> well, my mom has a lot of recipes that she has come up with uh, because it's a fusion. Because my dad is from they're both from Guerrero. My dad is from Acapulco and my mom is from La Cosa Chica. But his mom is indigenous, from Mexico, native. So she brings cuisine from La, uh, from La Sierra. My mom meets my dad and she brings cuisine from La Cosa Chica, which is the majority of them do live off the sea. You know, it's a fishing community and uh, they have a lot of seafood. But his mom was from the Sierra, so there was a lot of like veal, you know, and stuff like that and uh, carne, meat and vegetables. That's what his diet was based on. But she got married with my, mom, my dad, so she had to, you know, come to an agreement, <laughs> like uh, how to make his food, you know, with her, her sazon. So that's where everything else came in. Aguatate la Mexicana, which is catfish, a la Mexicana. Um, we have lengua con plátano macho. Mm. Um, we also have el pozole. If you are looking for pozole, you have to go to Guerrero. There's nowhere else. We offer it white, red, green, seafood, el pozole, and all its toppings. That el pozole? El pozole is a pozole made out of vegetables. Traditionally, it's red, and then all of its toppings. We have queso fresco, cebolla, rábanos, col, tenemos aguacate, tenemos taquitos de, de queso, tenemos chiles rellenitos, un huevo. Abajo del pozole, before you serve the pozole, you crack an egg, you serve the pozole, boiling hot, so it cooks in there. And wow. it's just a whole bunch of stuff. Sardines as toppings for pozoles. So wow. really, pozole is one of our main, like the bone structure of Guerrero. Those tamales de hoja de plátano, of course. Right here we introduce them with shredded meat, but traditionally for us, it's whole pork, ribs inside the tamal or a whole chicken wing inside the tamal. We also have tichinda, which is our mussels, river mussels, inside tamales. We make it out of shrimp and a whole bunch of stuff. Other people come and ask us, they're like, what do, what makes this dish Afro-Mexican? I wish I can tell them that it's a secret ingredient, you know, that we can tell them um, I explained to them there is no secret ingredient what makes it Afro-Mexican 
is the cook. Mm. It's us. It's the culture behind it, the people mm -hmm. who makes it where we come from. After the break, Maite tries some pan dulce from an Afro-Mexican bakery in Compton, California. Don't go anywhere. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Welcome back to Hungry for History. I had a chance to check out an Afro-Latino bakery in Compton, California, that runs out of a garage, serving some of the most delicious pan dulce I have ever tried in Los Angeles. Pan estilo Copala is run by Aniceto Cheto Polanco and his wife, Nolberta. I just arrived to Pan Estilo Copala in Compton. And this is a site. It's amazing. You walk in, it's in somebody's uh, garage. There's a whole line of Acapulco chairs of every single different color for adults and for children as you walk in along a white wall. And then you walk into the garage and first of all, the smell is intoxicating. It's just smells like yeast and, and sugar and butter and it's just unbelievable. So many different types of bread, breads that I've never actually seen before. They look incredible, very artisanal. I just had the most amazing experience. Well, I shared that my grandmother was a baker and they were like, oh, wait a minute, let me see. Let me see if you, you have her, her skills. Put an apron on me, put a net on my head, and had me roll little balls 
of dough, of conchas. Para adentro. Así, mira, así. Y lo aprietas así y ya lo haces con tu dedo para adentro, así. Tienes un, no creo que es fácil, ¿eh? Para nada, tienes un chiste. No, 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 así no. Así. And of course I did not do such a great job and they were making fun of me. Se me hace que ya me quedó bien. Ahí quedó. A verla. Ahí está, ahí quedó. Sí, ya. Ahí está. Ya. It felt, I felt like I was home. <laughs> it felt like I was family. And really, they're so welcoming, and the breads are so delicious and so unique, different than any pan dulce I've ever had, and I've had a lot of pan dulce in my life. And they were sharing that they get all of the ingredients from Mexico. They go to Tijuana. Vamos a Mexico a comprar las cosas. Tijuana. ¿En serio? They get the Mexican vanilla. Agarramos allá como el color, la vainilla. Okay. They get the fresh yeast. La levadura. Everything is fresh. They use no preservatives. And they say that their secret ingredient is love, which you could totally taste. It's a wonderful atmosphere. The breads are amazing. Está delicioso. Es que está suavecito, sí, como esponjoso. Pero no está tan dulce y eso te tiene picotillo, no está tan dulce. I feel so lucky that I'm, that I'm here this morning. Amazing. So Norberta, Chento's wife, is the one that started baking when she was a child, and all of the recipes are her grandmother's recipes. They're recipes that she grew up with, and people from the neighborhood that are from Guerrero that may not have been back moved to the U.S. and maybe haven't been able to go back to Guerrero. Mucha gente ha emigrado a este país por décadas y no ha podido viajar a su pueblo. They taste this and it transports them to home. Entonces todos estamos ansiosos de lo nuestro. O sea, tú quieres lo nuestro, lo tuyo, con lo que te creas, tus sabores, tu comida, hasta todo lo deseas. Y hay mucha necesidad de lo nuestro. These are all breads that you could find in La Costa Chica in Guerrero. So they're all flavors from that region. And it's very unique. They're very unique, different than anything I've ever had. Everything is much more rustic. You could see that it's an artisanal bakery. There's no, this is all, you know, made from, from scratch. This is a, a family affair in the, their backyard, Norberta and, and, and Don Chinto's garage in their backyard. And in the bakery, in the back is or him and his wife and their son. And then a couple of friends who have been working with them for, since 2016 is when they started this bakery. But she has started many years before just making bread from a little KitchenAid blender that she's had for 30 years in that same kitchen. No hice rápido, o sea, pues no, no tenía, ya de que aquí llega sin nada y todo. Y este, y compramos un horno y ahí empecé a hacer el pan que hacía de niña, sí, o sea, de joven. Sí, sí. es este. Ajá. Y en esa maquinita que tiene con nosotros, lo, como 30 años, tiene esa maquinita. Um, so she had a full-time job, and then she would come home and make breads, call her friends, and that's how it started. Como este, en tiempo libre, yo hacía pan en esa maquinita. Y lo hacía pan para vender en esa maquinita. Sí. It's all five people that are making all of these breads, friends and family. They were so welcoming. They busted out the coffee maker, wouldn't let us leave without drinking some coffee and tasting all of the bread. Mm. 
Thank you so much for listening to this very special and relevant episode. You know, Maite and I wanted to do this podcast to really fully explore our culture. And this is a side of it that I think we don't talk enough about. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.